This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. Welcome to Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. I'm joined today by Eric Buell, a Catholic educator from the Diocese of San Jose. Eric is a theology teacher at an all-girls Catholic high school, where he recently completed a term as department chair of theology and continues to serve as director of the school's liturgical choir. He was recently appointed to the newly created position of director of Catholic identity for his high school. He is here to talk with me about Catholic education, teaching theology, Catholic identity, and some of the cultural shifts he's seeing from the perspective of living in the Silicon Valley. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you've taken on this new role as director of Catholic identity at an all-girls Catholic high school in Northern California. Where do you begin in directing Catholic identity? At this school. With a big baton (laughs) right in front of everyone. Uh, I think what we're noticing is just a a, a downward trend in our Catholic population. Hmm. Um, Why that's happening or the sociological reasons that are being pointed out, other more intelligent people have spoken to. So I don't want to speak necessarily about why that's happening, but just the reality we're dealing with. And I, I think the school f- thought it was important to establish ourselves as a Catholic school first. So an interesting shift happened where the presentation sisters uh, in their, their governance board decided that they were going to sign over their kind of missioning charism to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocations in that order has ceased uh, for the sisters in San Francisco and they now view us as their... The bearers of the mission. As them. the lay bearers of their order. I see. Uh, so I think that's a great responsibility. And I think our um, outgoing principal and incoming principal, uh, a shift in administration, wanted to solidify that. Yes. Yep. So when you're talking about the Catholic population at the school, like how is it reduced? So when I first got there uh, around 10 years ago, we were seeing numbers in the kind of 70 to 72 percent. Of the student body. Of the student body. Identify as Catholic. Yes. Okay. Uh, Recently, it's dropped to 60s. And then our incoming freshman class is down to 51 percent. So half of the students coming in do not identify as Catholic in a Catholic school. The school wants to reinvest or invest newly in Catholic identity in the culture of the place. Yes. Okay. So how does that change if, you know, you have a freshman class, 50% are Catholic, 50 or not, to, like, what is the mission of the school in that case to, to form them in a Catholic identity, or how does, that, how does that change your mission? I think it's exciting because you are looking at a population that has never been exposed to Scripture, for example. Mm. So, not never, but... Uh, yeah, half of them maybe have some little exposure coming from Catholic feeder schools, but we're seeing those numbers in decline. So more and more, our students are coming from charter schools and public schools. And we have practicing Hindus sitting in our classrooms. Mm-hmm. We have very secular, agnostic, I don't knows. Right. And so when you open up the book of Genesis, 
because we start kind of grounded in scripture and look at Revelation and say, what can this teach us? And they're like, uh, there's not much in this book. And it's outdated, like, whatever. Really? Yeah. Do you, the, the people who form the book of Genesis speak to really complex human relationships and problems. And so this comes alive. Um, we don't start with the book of Numbers because it wouldn't. <laughs> Leviticus, the second semester, yeah. <laughs> open up the same way. But Genesis is such a human book uh-huh. that any, any alive, breathing individual can relate to these problems, to the gossip, to the slander, <laughs> to the, the failing of human re- relationships, to the jealousy and the anger and the need for mercy. Hmm. The idea that someone could read Genesis and and not identify with something in there, I think is unlikely, Hmm. no matter their background. And so when you're seeing it with fresh eyes, not from an exposed version of it, a grade school version of it, that's a little sanitized, rightly, uh, I think at times, but a 14, 15 year old who's hearing this complexity for the first time, uh, there, there's a, there's something to be said for that initial, almost missioning, reality of, of teaching, uh, because while we don't set out to baptize our students, um, it can be attractive for 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 young people who are looking for some type of identity, for some type of purpose. Hmm. Um, and, and this God who reaches out in human history and offers mercy and love and purpose, mm. I, I think can be very attractive. So when I look at our high school, I'm, I'm almost in awe of it because we have a full house. We have 800 students, um, which is a large, for our school, a very large population um, with a, a waiting list of people to get in. I don't see waiting lists on Sundays outside of our churches. Oh yeah. So I see a, a, a local church here who every other day are getting an hour and a half in theological education. This is, this is opportunity mm. to speak to what's in scripture and to speak in, to what's in our tradition because yes, they are choosing to come to the school, but they also have to be in these classes. <laughs> And, and I think there's a beauty in that because th- that slow formation uh, can, can really be telling over time. Mm-hmm. At first, it can be like, well, why am I doing this? But developing healthy relationships with your students through the context of faith and reason uh, will, will bear fruit. Since like mission territory has come closer to you than having to go out there, you, this is the first proclamation I, Sometimes not even proclamation, just wonder. I think our about. Catholic schools are 21st century missions. Hmm. Well, you're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Eric Buell, Director of Catholic Identity and a theology teacher at Presentation High School in the Diocese of San Jose, who has just called our Catholic schools the missions of the 21st century. So if they're hearing, many of your students, uh, hearing Genesis for the first time, you know, really breaking open this word and uh, maybe they've passed over a story or they've heard it before, but now like really attending to it. What other kind of stories or scripts are, are common in their lives from where they're coming from? Um, you're in a pretty 
hit place in uh, the Bay Area, um, Silicon Valley, kind of the culture sort of surrounds where you are. So you're on the, the sort of cutting, ed- cutting edge of culture, you could say. So what else is, is surrounding um, the, the young people you're working with? There is this weird dual identity of extreme materialism mm-hmm. at times and um, uh, an intense poverty, hmm. uh, an intense material poverty because the cost of living is very difficult. Inhumane. Um, inhumane <laughs> right. is a great word. <laughs> we have students um, who are sitting next to each other who are so economically different that it would be hard to talk about a shared reality. Really? Um, the, the other, and, and almost like only a block could separate them um, between the million dollar homes and the homeless encampments. And the million dollar home, just to be clear, is this is not an extravagant home no. in your area, no. right? This is a you know four bedroom, maybe two, three, th- three bedroom, yeah. <laughs> maybe your timeshare on the other bedroom. Right. Okay. Yeah, so a million-dollar home is uh, is pretty standard. A family home. It's a family home. Yeah, and and we have students whose family make $30,000 a year. Right. Um, And then students whose families make considerably more than that. And so we hand them these iPads because we're an iPad school and everyone has a device. And some students have three devices because they have their laptop, their iPad, and their phone. Mm -hmm. And it can become all-encompassing. And the more you scratch away at that, the more they resent it. The more you start asking questions, well, why do you continually use Snapchat? Because I see them in the hallway taking these photos and mindlessly sending them to 30 people to keep this streak going. And their answer really is, I don't know. I have this streak. I need to keep it going. Of continuous days with a post. On Snapchat. And there's no intention behind it. Right. It is just a thing I do Hmm. that gives no meaning Mm -hmm. and no life. But when you can give them the opportunity, so we have this uh, service component of our morality classes that only asks six hours of direct service to humans. (laughs) Because so many service opportunities can be with animals or the environment, and those are valid and good. Yes, This, this program supports that. We have just six hours of human service because we want people to see the face of Christ in their own community. Hmm. And so we don't require this outrageous 150 hours of community service. You're talking six hours a, a year? A semester. A semester. Okay. In one class. For one class. But I think it becomes more valuable because we intentionally reflect on it in a Christological manner. Um, we have opportunities to break it down and to ask questions about mm-hmm. what's going on. And then they write a final theological reflection paper at the end talking about uh, the habits we form and how they can relate to the three theological and and four cardinal virtues. So I had this one student who comes from a very affluent family um, who was in a working a mobile shower program that goes to homeless encampments and offers them showers where they live. They bring the shower to them. They bring the shower to them. And our student was in charge of checking people in and scrubbing down the showers after each client. And she said, you know, it was fine and it was good and it was going along until she met someone her age 
She was 17 years old, going to a local high school, living out of her car. Mm. And they had a conversation about the music they like. And her takeaway was, I didn't think I had anything in common with the homeless, with those who live in the tents on the side of the highway, which is a very common sight in our area, uh, especially if you drive up to San Francisco, they, they dot the freeways. So these are opportunities um, to not overwhelm young people and to not over church it, but to offer them direct and approachable um, circumstances that give meaning. Mm. Instead of doing things without intention, let's try a simple activity very intentionally and see what meaning we can draw from it. That actually has human contact, as you're saying, and not um, intermediate, you know, going through a technological right. device. Somebody's out there somewhere, perhaps. Yeah, or, or not going to the food pantry and just boxing cans of food and never seeing who we're feeding. I see. Not just collecting at the school, yeah. but going and, and just for this time to be with those who are radically different. Yeah. So they work with people with Alzheimer's. They work with students with disabilities. They work with the homeless. They work with the hungry. And they work with um, first-generation Americans mm -hmm. in a tutoring program. Wow. And it's just... It's a way to get them out of their community within their community. Yeah. This reminds me, I mean, this is kind of a, a side comment, but you're talking about like face-to-face -face comment, actually seeing people, talking with people. You know, I'm thinking of one of the greatest works of human creativity, Dante's Comedy, which is a work of mercy through and through. It's about kind of the recovery of mercy. And one of the things that I found fascinating about this when I was taught it was that the thing that Dante focuses on over and over again, more than anything else even, are eyes and smiles. And you're like, you know, this the, the greatest Christian poet, maybe the greatest poet who ever lived, and it's the simplicity of eyes and smiles, the recovery of the human face of seeing each other and real human contact um, is about the salvation of each of the souls and the beauty of the human person. Their takeaway after these experiences are why are these people so grateful? Hmm. They have nothing and I have everything. Mm -hmm. And it's watching them look at a student who is smiling at them uh, while eating the only meal she'll have that day. Mm. And then they come away with these great experiences of, you know, at the homework club, moms will volunteer to cook dinner for the students and they will always set aside food for our students. And they will always say, you will please eat with us, please. And they're like, I'm not, I don't eat with my own family. Uh, Your we, students are saying this. We've been surveying our students mm -hmm. about, you know, how often do you eat with your family? Mm -hmm. And we have about maybe 15 to 20% of our students who say they never eat a meal with their family. So they're feeling the loss of human contact themselves. I have 35 to 40% of our students say they never pray with their family. Hmm. So when you enter a community that will eat and pray with you, that's pretty special. Hmm. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Eric Buell, Director of Catholic Identity at Presentation High School in the Diocese of San Jose. So as a Catholic educator... Uh, who is given these students every year, 
who come into your classroom. Um, you were uh, directing the theology department at your school and so helping the other teachers to set the course. What do you hope these students encounter when they come through your, your classes, when they encounter the material, when they're engaged in this work? What is it? What kind of vision are you hoping to give them? It would be wrong to say anything but Christ. So I'll start with, I hope that okay. they have an encounter with Christ, but the real Jesus and not the, the cartoon caricature of God that speaks to kind of an American sentimentalism mm -hmm. or American judgmentalism. The first thing we try to do is destroy this idea of the Santa Claus God who is out keeping a list of everything you do and watching you with an intensity that would scare you if, if this was a physical entity following right. you. And expressing that mentality seems so common when I'm talking to, to, to folks who are engaged in this. Like, of course, that's not what we believe. Right. But it is the caricature of faith that exists in the material world. Mm. That, well, this is a God who doesn't want me. Um, this is a God who is out to judge me. Mm -hmm. And to get them to think about this this God as love. And so, especially for my students who come in professing they don't believe, I try to talk to them about their experiences of love. And if they can describe a really concrete, healthy, good one, that is the experience of God. At a very elementary level, they have seen the face of God, but they don't recognize it, they don't name it, they know they believe in this love, mm -hmm. but have difficulty ascribing it as God. Mm. The greatest letter I ever received from a student uh, who walked into my classroom, um, and she wrote me a note at the end of the semester. She goes, you know, I walked into this class pretty turned off by faith uh, and just really an atheist. I wanted nothing to do with it. And she ended her note just saying, you've complicated that. <laughs> it wasn't... <laughs> the mission of Catholic Saint, education to complicate Saint things. It wasn't Paul's conversion off right, the horse. Right. And, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not going to win me any awards. <laughs> to the teacher who complicated things the most. But it yeah. was the most authentic thank yeah. you I think I've ever received. Yeah. The authentic faith should complicate loss of belief yeah there was sort of complacent dissatisfaction right and, and I you can't really you blame stirred them. that up i mm. can't blame the complacency or the dissatisfaction with the way uh we value things mm. because there's just an emptiness to the stuff you can have yeah um you'll always want more where did your sense of mission or call come from to engage in this work because you could do a lot of other things that's what people keep telling me. <laughs> but I keep going back to, um, I think it was Jeremiah. The who, prophet. Who just tried to run away yeah. and always found himself back talking about <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I, I think to myself, what else should I be doing uh -huh. occasionally? Because teaching can be exhausting. What else? And I don't, the only thing that appears to me is this is what you should be doing. It is a, a, a call 
mm -hmm. a, a pull, but a very concrete voice that when I am working with students, I envision myself nowhere else. Mm. When I'm working with other teachers, it, it makes sense to a degree that um, I think other people wish they had sometimes. They're like, well, I don't know what I want. I've always felt this sense to to be with people and, and to talk about um, scripture mm. in a meaningful way. Yeah. What has been important for your own formation to become, to do what you're doing now as a Catholic, but also as a Catholic educator? I think it's important to um, read the book of Psalms because I think the psalmist was an educator hmm. uh, with the, the, the highs and lows of the book. Uh, I think it mirrors the academic year quite, quite nicely. <laughs> my at, God, my God. At times. Yeah. Um, I think the invitation of others to say this is a good uh, profession, this is a good vocation. Um, so I have always been inspired by other people. Hmm. Um, they have um, encouraged this spirit within me. Um, so I look at my mentors all throughout high school and all throughout college as um, lights along the way. Um, our foundress at our school is, was known for her lantern walking around Ireland looking for the destitute. Hmm. Um, and I feel that that lantern image is, is, uh, speaks to my own formation. Uh, weekly prayer and, and kind of the prayer I say for my students before I start class, very small, very inarticulate, sometimes flawed, um, but daily practice over the course of a decade uh, leads to, um, if not ripe fruit, <laughs> you know, uh, on the way, uh, blooms. Hmm. We're drawing near to the end here. So I wonder, maybe just as closing, could you, could you share with us a story? So you've already given us one, but a story of, um, one of these moments of, of teaching where you've seen, cause you don't always see it, but where you've seen, yeah, this is, this is right. And this is where this Catholic culture is really forming someone. Yes. <laughs> there are, um, there is one student I, I have who um, was just kind of your, your overzealous, joyful, rambunctious high school student who was like rah-rah school spirit, and she was way into it. Uh -huh. um, and the more she started coming into class and learning about the faith, the more that energy started being directed towards faith. And she would always say, you know, one day, Mr. Buell, I'm going to come back and I'm going to teach religion here. And I said, well, why don't you go out and uh, learn some things at university and, and come back um, if you feel that's, that's the best place for you. Right. And she, every year she just kept growing and, and being more on fire. Mm. Um, and this was kind of just a normal Catholic kid, yeah. uh, not intense or, or, or anything like that. And she went on to study um, social work. And she entered the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And we, we met up one summer and she said, I was like, well, what do you want to do now? She goes, I want to work on rehabilitating uh, uh, felons back into society. Wow. And this is a 21-year-old yeah. West Coast Bay Area student who's working in Alabama on prison rehabilitation. 
And now she's getting her master's in, in social work. Mm -hmm. And this, her spirit gives me hope because I have had many students have big conversion moments and small conversion moments and complicated conversion moments, but that she can take the message seriously and apply it to a very harsh reality in the United States. Um, I met her father at a fundraiser and he talked about his daughter as, well, she's, she's entering a burgeoning uh, market <laughs> because social work's gonna be cut. So yeah, he like, came at uh -huh. it with a very economic approach and to look at where she, she describes her work and her father describes her work is a fascinating difference. Um, and she is still on fire, but with such a focused uh, mission. And I think it's due to intentional uh, and, and well-formed people introducing her to a faith uh, that takes its role in society seriously. Mm. When the gospel helps the passion find the target, the world changes in that sense. Beautiful. We've been joined today by Eric Buell, Director of Catholic Identity and Theology Teacher at Presentation High School in the Diocese of San Jose. Eric, thanks for spending the time with us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you, all of you, for joining us on Church Life today. 